Good morning, Church of the Holy Spirit. It's good to be with you guys this morning. So I understand that you all have been in a series or are in a series called Fully Committed, the Faith of the Early Church. And in essence, as I understand it, um, you are taking some time to look into the lives of the men and women in the early church, in the Acts Church, in the Acts of the Holy Spirit Church, that, that how they lived in the midst of persecution, suffering, chaos, riots, marches on DC, how they lived in the midst of all that, and yet they did so in uncompromising faith. That they were willing to die for the cause of Jesus Christ. They were willing to risk it all, lay it all down, no matter what it cost, they were gonna give it away for the cause of Jesus. They faced lion's dens, they faced being sawn in two, stoned to death, some cases being crucified upside down. They, they were hunted down and killed and murdered simply because they believed and professed that Jesus Christ was Lord. They did it all, they did it all for the, the simple and very profound profession that Jesus was the Christ, fully God, but fully man, the son of God who died on a cross, but he did more than that. He rose from the grave and conquered death and is now seated at the right hand of the father forever and ever. And, and as a result, we, all of us, the world is free, forever free, free from sin and death and power and all the things that we wrap up in and we're free to live our lives in risk for and with Jesus that we profess. They were risky, they were bold, they were unapologetic about the truth of this Jesus Christ. So it got me thinking, today in 2021, as I've been looking at my life for the coming year, and each year I kind of look at what the Lord wants me to kind of engage in for the coming year, and my word for this year is alignment or realignment, and as I'm looking at 2021, I'm looking around at myself and, and the church at whole, and I wanna ask us a question. Are Christians, are followers of Jesus, believers of Jesus, are we known as the riskiest, boldest people in our communities? Let's take it closer. Are we, just the people in this room, Church of the Holy Spirit, are we known for being risky, bold, unapologetic in our love for Jesus Christ and not just our love, but living it out loud in our communities and our spheres of influence? No condemnation, but let's take it closer. Just for a moment, I don't wanna navel gaze, but just take a moment and inwardly take a self-examination is my life, are you living a life that is risky, bold, and unapologetic for Jesus? Do people smell your aroma wherever you go? Do, do, they, do they recognize you, not just because, oh, he's a good guy, or she's a good, oh, she doesn't cuss. He leads a Bible study on Wednesdays, he must be. Are we living unapologetic, risky, bold faith? It, bold faith. It is so interesting to me that we, the beautiful bride, the church, the ecclesia, you know ecclesia means the called out ones, the sent ones, that we often live relatively safe and very comfortable lives. Or, or we often live with fear of risk or failure, especially when it comes 
to Jesus, our faith, loving radically, giving generously, and his kingdom. Why is that? That's so strange. Isn't it strange to you that we, the beautiful bride, the ecclesia, that we live so fearful and so closed off and so risk averse? I mean, how strange, based on what we profess, how strange is it that we live often risk-averse lives? Think about what we profess. I just said some of them. Think about what we profess is true about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We claim that Jesus died on a cross. We claim that he rose from the grave and conquered death. We claim that he defeated death once and for all. Satan has been defeated and has no more authority on this earth. We claim that not only has he defeated death, but he rose from the grave. Grave. He's sitting next to the Father in heaven, that death has lost its sting, that death has no more victory, that we now one day will be caught up in a cloud with him and reign with him forever and ever and ever, where there will be no more sickness, no more disease, no more sin, no more sadness, no more, no more, no more, forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. And yet, and yet, even as we claim that God is sovereign and even as we claim that we are his kids and even as we claim that we now have the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Think about that for a second. And we now claim that after Jesus left, he would send another of the same kind to live within us. And he said, you will do greater things than I have done. He walked on water, he raised the dead, he healed the sick. And he said, you're gonna do greater things than I've done. He said that you now have all authority in heaven and on earth to bring kingdom from heaven down to earth and rescue the lost and the dying forever and ever and ever. Wow. Think about what the gospel of Mark's great commission says about us. And I believe the scripture is true. I don't want to edit it. I don't want to say, well, that was just for 2,000 years ago. That's not for today. If scripture is true, it is true. And I believe it and I will follow it. Well, the great commission in Mark says, he says, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, you're going to cast out demons. In my name, you're going to speak in new tongues. In my name, you will pick up serpents with your hands. I'm not sure how that applies today. In my name, if you drink poison, it will not hurt you. And in my name, when you lay your hands on the sick, they will recover. He didn't say in 2,000 years, that won't be true. He said, in my name, these signs will accompany those who believe. And if, if all that is true, and as I said, I believe it's true. Why don't we see it? Where is it? If we believe it, if it is true, then why would we live risk-averse lives? Why are we, the church, living risk-averse lives? If anyone on this planet, if anyone in this room should be living a passionate, purpose-driven, risk-filled, bold life for the gospel of Jesus Christ, it ought to be us, the rescued, delivered bride of Jesus Christ. We, the ecclesia, we should be known everywhere we go and in everything we do as radical revolutionaries that take great risk for this beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. See, I've come to the conclusion, and it's maybe not a new conclusion, having been all over the world on mission trips, I've come to the conclusion that we do not live like that because we misunderstand or don't have a proper vision of our time here on this earth. 
We've given too much power to it, too much credit to it. We put too much value in it. We don't understand a proper vision of what scripture says and what God thinks about our moment in history on this earth. Look at what scripture says, James chapter four, 13 through 14. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet, yet, he says, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. For you are just a vapor. Other versions say a mist. Let that sink in for a second. For you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we will live and also do this or that. Here is the truth. Whether you want to believe it, whether I want to believe it, the reality, whether I believe it or not, whether I think it or not, is that everything, and I mean everything, no exceptions, the things that we stress about, the things that we get anxious about, the things that we put our hope in, the things that we put our faith in other than Jesus Christ is just a vapor. Vapor. Smells pretty good. What's going to happen to my 401k right now? Vapor. I need to lose some weight. I'm getting really fat. Vapor. I'm getting old and my knees hurt. Vapor. What's going to happen in 2021 in these next four years with this new president? Vapor. What's going to happen with these masks? Vapor. What's going to happen with my kid that maybe isn't walking with Jesus right now? Vapor. And even more serious things than that, which is really serious. My wife has cancer, vapor. My loved one is dying, vapor. Those are very, very serious things. But we've got to get a perspective that all of it, and I mean all of it, is just a vapor. Poof, it is gone. We've got to get a grip on that our life is a vapor. And yet, it is a very important vapor. Because what you and I do with our vapor here on earth can determine ours and others' eternity. And our vapor, my vapor, mysteriously has an impact on eternity. We gotta get that proper perspective. See, you and I, we've gotta live in risk in the here and now with an eye toward eternity. To be effective as the church, we must live what's called in light of eternity. Francis Chan did this example one time where he got a rope and he went around the sanctuary about four different times with the rope. And at the very end of the rope, the part that he was holding in his hand, just this much of the rope, he put red duct tape and he said, this is my life in light of eternity. And I've got to live in light of eternity that I am just a vapor. I am here in a moment and gone. And either that vapor can smell good or it's aroma that brings death. See, it is, it is so important and urgent that we live with an eternal perspective so that we can maximize this vapor that we are while we live on this earth. In order to live a risk-filled life for Jesus Christ, we've got to get, and this is the point of everything I'm talking about today, we are not a product of time. We are a product of eternity. Let me say that again. You and I are not a product of time. We are a product 
of eternity. See if we can wrap our brains around this for just a second. This is some really big stuff that, that God has plucked you and I out of eternity and dropped us and positioned us in this specific moment in time. And he's gifted each one of you and me with specific, unique gifts and talents so that not so you can be a consumer, not so you can use them all on yourself, but so that you will use those gifts and talents to serve your generation and do so in risk and in love without fear, all in order to advance the beautiful kingdom of Jesus Christ. That is your mission. Do you remember the Mission Impossible movies? This is your mission, should you choose to accept it. That is your mission. It is your sole assignment until death. And we get that out of whack sometimes. You and I were not positioned in this moment to live safe and acquire stuff. We were not lived in a position in this moment in time to build bigger and more and more barns and more stuff, to acquire more stuff. As, as one author wrote, we buy things we do not want to please or to make people happy we don't even like. You're playing it safe. My playing it safe serves no one and nothing. We've been in a position here in this moment in time, in January 2021, for so much more. And God, the King, your Abba, the Father, has uniquely positioned you in your sphere of influence to bring solution to the world in which you live. How do we do that? Do I be gooder? Do I try harder? How do we do that? Well, we do it the same way Jesus did it. In John chapter 20, Jesus gave us the great commission of John chapter 20. It says, he came through a door. Suddenly he just vaporized through this door. They were in there hiding, afraid. Oh my gosh, what's gonna happen to us now? We're gonna get killed. Ah. And Jesus suddenly materializes in front of them. And he says these words, he says, peace be with you. The word peace there, it means literally the authority to destroy chaos. He was saying, I now am imparting upon you an authority to destroy chaos. I think we need some of that right now, don't we? And then he went on further and he said, in the same way that the Father sent me from heaven, I now am sending you. Or other versions say, in the same manner that I was sent, I now send you. Well, how was Jesus sent? He came humbly. He came in a manger. He came without a spotlight. He came without wanting everyone to give him all the attention. He came lowly and yet he came living a bold, risky life, understanding that his sole mission was to be poured out like a drink offering. See, Jesus understood that his physical time on earth, this 32 years and even more importantly, the two years that he had as a ministry, that he was to be a vapor, but that vapor would ripple throughout eternity are you and I living and this is the challenge no condemnation I don't want you to live and be like oh stink. no condemnation are you and I living such that our vapor will be a ripple effect throughout eternity not one of us would disagree I don't think today not one of us would disagree that in this moment we live in a world that is broken full of injustice that is, is seemingly maybe very hopeless, full of pain. And in this moment, we have a choice. 
Church of the Holy Spirit, just the men and women in this room, just like they did 2,000 years ago, they gathered in the upper room. We have a choice. We can either get overwhelmed, bury our heads in the sand, and we can retreat to some kind of supposed safety and build more, get more, acquire more. And all that safety is just an illusion. If COVID has taught us anything, our stuff is an illusion. Or we can choose this day to be a community that lives in risk and runs into the fire that runs to the very world that Jesus died for and he doesn't ask us to do anything he didn't or wouldn't do he's asking us to do exactly what he did and he sends us not alone and he sends us not without weapons he sends us into that world to bring light and justice and mercy and grace and truth yes truth but in love And he sends us with healing and freedom in the midst of a broken world. And here's the reality. And it might mean that we get crucified. It might mean that we get hated and lose everything in the process. It might mean that we get rejected by everyone around us. And I'm not suggesting we go into our sphere with a Bible, beating people over the heads, telling them about the rules and the laws and what they are and are not doing. I'm saying when we live the aroma of Christ Jesus, we will or shall be persecuted, Scripture says. But it's what we've been called to do. It is our mission. It's our purpose. And living a risk-averse life is contrary to your purpose and your mission on this earth. In 2012, Sheena had uh, been diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer, and the initial shock, of course, was (gasps) takes your breath away. And once we found out that it was 100% curable, and we went through the process, and it became just a great big inconvenience, but it was a beautiful time in our lives that the Lord began to call us into deeper and more And of course, other people living around us would say or said to us, you guys live in such risk. And it was like, what, a Bible study on Tuesday? That's risk? You guys live in such risk. You're not building what you could build. Well, that's risk? I don't think people, anyone's going to open the book of Acts and go, Paul got killed, Peter got stoned, and Mike lived in Salem (laughs) with a Bible study. So exciting. We found ourselves in this place of saying, Lord, we want more. We want to do more. And one day I was sitting with the Lord in my Sabbath time and spending time with the Lord. And I, I began to just ask, okay, Lord, what, what does that mean? What, what do you want from me just today? I'm not, I'm not saying every, you know, what, what do you want? And, and at that time in our lives, we had amassed, for us at least, a pretty large savings. And not, it wasn't our giving and it wasn't some of our retirement. It was just savings. It was the kind of savings that you set aside for maybe a renovation, Need more, need more stuff, right? Or maybe some bigger and better trips because you know the Massies don't go on great trips, right? We need, we need more, right? And so I was sitting with the Lord and, and I felt like the Lord kind of just, again, a prompt, not a voice that just said, what about your, your nest egg, your savings? Well, Lord, you know, I want to have a conversation with you about that God. Like, I mean, I would do it, but that wife of mine would not. That was funny, people. Like, Lord, I'm a giving guy, but if I go home to my wife, I mean, she's going to say, do you know my wife? (laughs) She's going to say no. So, Lord, okay, I'll I'll take that to my wife. And I walk in the door and I say, honey, I was 
spending time with the Lord today. And, and I had this crazy thought, you know, that maybe we should, and she said, give away our whole savings account. I said, dang it. You woman. She said, I was praying. I felt like the Lord said, give it all away. I was like, ah, I were hoping you were going to say, no, that wasn't the Lord. That was just bad pizza. But we began to dream and think and we started trying to figure out where we were going to give it, what we were going to do with it and how could we do it anonymously and maybe it wouldn't be tax deductible, God forbid. And it took about a week and a half and we kind of had some thoughts in mind and we were kind of getting excited about how and where and when. And it was one morning I was in the shower and I just felt the Lord sense, I just got this sense and it wasn't again a voice, I just got the sense, you need to get that money out of your hands by noon today. Urgency, you need to get it out of your hands by noon today. So I got out of the shower and I was drying off and I called, hey Sheena. And Sheena comes back in the bedroom. Before I can say a word, I say, hey, I'm thinking. And she says, we got to get that money out of our hands before noon, don't we? And I was like, dang it, woman. You're in my head. And so we got the money together and some was cash and some was, so we just, we got it dispersed. And boy, it felt great. It was exciting. It was fun. It was great. Well, that afternoon, don't you know, we got three big bills, some from the cancer, some from other stuff, three big bills that totaled exactly to the penny what we had just given away that day. Lord, I was like, Lord, what are you doing here? Did I, did I just have bad pizza and, and gave away money that I shouldn't have given away? Lord, that would have been used to pay all that off. Now do I have to go get debt? Do I have to put it on my credit line? Do I have to put it on the equity line? Yeah, Lord, I've got ways to do it because I'm self-sufficient, right? Lord, this is surely not your plan. Come on, God. We just kept feeling the Lord was saying, just be still and know that I'm the Lord. Trust me. You stepped out in risk for a reason. Trust me. Trust me with this risk. We had about a month and a half in June to get all the debts paid. And it was the day before all of it was due. And I was sitting in a coffee shop with a young man that I was discipling and just talking about Jesus with. And, and, and for once I was being pretty quiet and not talking that much. And the guy said, what's going on? What's going on with you? And I was like, well, you know, honestly, I'm living feeling like a fool. We, we got some big debts due tomorrow and we gave all away and, and I just, I feel kind of like an idiot. I feel like I've led my family astray. And, and as I was talking to him, my phone rang and I looked down at the table and it was my accountant. And I answered the phone and I said, hey, so-and-so. And he said, Mike, hey, I need your uh, routing number for your checking account. I said, oh, okay. So I gave him the routing number and and I said, what, what's this for? And he said, well, we were redoing your taxes from the last couple of years and looking at some stuff and um, you're going to get a refund. Well, you got to understand, I've been in, in private practice since I began practicing law in 1994, almost exactly that whole time. I had never gotten a refund. Ever, ever, ever have I gotten a refund. So I thought, oh, maybe I'm getting a couple hundred bucks. So I said, um, oh, okay, cool, that's awesome. Um, uh, when is it going to go in? He said, it's going to go in tonight. I said, oh, well, big question, how much? And he gave me the figure and my jaw dropped it was exactly the amount we had given away to a penny times two 
I was so excited, I couldn't even stand it. I put down the, got my stuff together, ran home. I wanted to see Sheena's face as soon as I could get home so we could just to tell her and show her how, my, how God is faithful. We just got so excited and so liberated. And it was so much fun. And then it was like suddenly the reality sank in. Not only do we get to pay off the debt and we gave away the first amount, but God was like, I want you to give away this amount too. I had some stuff to do with that, Lord. The Lord was like, don't you by now trust me? I'm the provider of it all. All things are from me, they're through me, and they're back to me, so you can live in risk with it. Now listen, the point of that story is not to suggest that Sheen and I have some kind of great faith. The point is not to suggest that if we give away money, we're gonna get back money. It's not some false prosperity doctrine that suggests that if, if we lay out some money, we're gonna never have problems with our health, wealth, and prosperity. No, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when we live in risk, God will always provide and come through he may not give us everything we want, but he will give us everything we need. And he promises that he is with us and that he will never, no, never leave us or forsake us. And here's the point of all of that. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom's sake that you have been set free. And living in safety is not the goal of a Christian. Freedom is. The purpose of your and my life is not to arrive at death safely. Our purpose our mission is to live free and unencumbered in risk with and for Jesus. So let us be a church, church, that truly lives and looks different, that holds out everything we are, everything we possess, everything we think we have, that we hold it out to the Lord and say, Lord, it's yours and it's for the kingdom to be used for you so that I'll be poured out. Imagine what would happen just in Roanoke, if just this body of men and women, this fellowship began to live in freedom, free from fear, living in risk and radical love and generosity that we were using our vapors to ripple throughout eternity. Right before, John, uh, right before Jim Rayburn died, he gave the last talk of his life in 1970. He had started Young Life in 1947 and he had cancer and he was closing out on life. And he gave his very last talk and he was trying to bring vision or renewed vision back to the 500 staff people that were gathered in 1970. Now, of course, that staff number is thousands upon thousands, but 500 people. And he was saying, we've lost some vision. We've lost some risk. We're getting involved in building, building. We've got to return to a vision. And this is what he said. He said, I've always felt a little twinge or something when I was introduced as the founder of this outfit. I am the founder of this outfit, don't get me wrong. But the reason for my embarrassment is that I always felt like a fellow who founded something should at least know he was founding something. I didn't have the slightest idea that I was founding something. I simply woke up with my bride one day in a town where, where there was a school full of people who didn't have the foggiest chance to know the truth about Jesus Christ. They didn't have a chance there wasn't anybody there that knew enough about him to tell them. And furthermore, they weren't interested in listening to anyone who sounded like someone who might be going to get around to talking about Jesus Christ. So I had a twofold job. I had never thought about it before, but all of a sudden it came slamming home to me that people were bad off. They were way out in left field. They didn't have a chance, not for a good life, not for God's kind of life, not for the life he'd meant for him. 
unless they personally knew Jesus Christ. So I'd have to get busy and talk to them about Jesus. The second thing was I had to get him willing to listen. And he closed by saying, I wish and pray that it would be said of us what the folks of Thessalonica said when Paul and his cronies headed for their hometown. They said, what are we going to do? The guys who upset the world are coming here now. Well, look around you. We Christians aren't exactly upsetting the world. We aren't exactly setting things on fire. Nobody's yelling for the fire department because our rapport and our message and our determination is too hot. But that's the big dream. Let's make it come true. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, risk your life and get more than you dreamed of. Play it safe and you'll end up holding the bag. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this community. I thank you for this community of faith that stands on the word of God. Do me a favor, and just if you want to, just, just put your hand over your heart. Jesus, we are committing our hearts, our lives, our stuff, our possessions. Lord, no groveling, no condemnation, but forgive us, Father, for living lives consumed by our stuff, consumed by our time, consumed by this vapor. Father, we want to live a vapor that is rippling throughout eternity. So today, just today, Lord, we commit that vapor to you, that you will do radical things with us and through us and around us and in us as we are living for eternity. Amen.